Hey folks, you're about to hear episode 94 of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Nine for some running a membership drive from now until episode 100. And I have a pretty simple request with this. Would you be willing to tip? And I'm talking about that super simple, easy $1 kind of tip. Like $1 for a barista giving you a coffee. $1 for a bartender giving you a beer. $1 for that valet or bellhop grabbing something at a hotel. And I'm talking about U.S. dollars, but there's probably a similar amount in your currency, and it's probably a coin. Really, congratulations to all of you with the coins, especially Canada. A loony. Fantastic. Loons, what a bird. Really good. Point is, you've probably tipped a barista or a bartender $1 for giving you one drink that you consumed really fast. What if you tipped your podcasters in a similar way, and gave them that tip for making a whole hour of podcast or whatever length. In this show's case, that hour has a bunch of moving parts. There's research and tight editing and guest booking and and just a lot going into making that as awesome as it can be. I think it's a good system to do that kind of tipping for that kind of work. And a surprisingly small fraction of listeners, way less than 10% of listeners, are willing to provide that tip and do that thing. I'm running this membership drive to give you more benefits than ever. If you do that, visit sifpod.fun to see those benefits and to back this thing. And thanks for listening. I'm thrilled about the run-up to episode 100, and I hope you please enjoy episode 94. Dogs playing poker. Known for being a gag. Famous for being art-ish. Nobody thinks much about it, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why dogs playing poker is secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. I am also overjoyed because Katie Golden has returned. Katie Golden, an incredible comedy writer and podcaster. I hope you're already a fan of Katie Golden's podcast. It's entitled Creature Feature. It's over on iHeartRadio. It's the best and funniest podcast about animals. She's also the comedy writer behind at Pro Bird Rights on Twitter. She's a writer for the Somewhere News Channel on YouTube, and I'm thrilled every time she comes on this show. I also feel that this topic, which you folks suggested and selected, is it just tees up bringing her back. So thank you folks for setting that whole thing up. I really appreciate it. Also, I've gathered all of our postal codes, and I've used internet resources like native-land.ca, I want to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape peoples. I also want to acknowledge that in North America and in many other locations, Native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And then my guest, Katie Golden, she taped this show in the country of Italy. And as I understand it, her location has a context outside of that. Now, as I said at the top of this episode, this is about dogs playing poker, which is a patron-chosen topic. Many thanks to Michael Notkin for that creative and clever and very fun suggestion. Also, thanks to Pascal Olivier Lebrec for cheerleading it in the polls. Dogs Playing Poker is a perfect fit for this audio podcast. It's a piece of visual art that everybody has a concept of in their head. Previously, we've covered the painting American Gothic and the painting The Scream. I love how Dogs Playing Poker perfectly fits that and is also totally different from that in ways we'll get into. And then one extra wonderful thing going on in this episode is that Katie Golden knows a tremendous amount about animals, like actual scientific information. And so she brings in amazing stuff about dogs and cats that I think really enriches it. I'm really excited for you to hear that, too. Don't need more setup than that. So please sit back or paint me a beautiful oil on canvas rendering of Snoopy's playing poker. I would love one. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Katie Golden. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Katie 
meeting. I'm, I'm so excited we're doing this. This is amazing. Uh, and of course, I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. How do you feel about dogs playing poker? This is my this is my dogs playing poker face. Is that relevant? Is that so good? So good? Topical? Uh, I mean... Now it's like dogs playing Lady Gaga. They're all doing a cover band or something. There we go. Yeah. Now we're talking. Dogs. I love dogs. I have a dog. Uh, she doesn't play poker. I try to put the little cards in her hands and they just fall right down. But I do love the paintings. I, I love the kitschiness of it. I just... It is... One of those things that I've always taken for granted. I've never actually thought about like, wait, why are there so many paintings of dogs playing poker? What is what is the social commentary behind it? I've always just it, it is a law of the world that there are paintings of dogs playing poker just as the sun rises every day. And I've never questioned it. <laughs> and now I'm really curious uh, about it, though, when I think about it, because it is. I guess a little bit of a weird thing. Yeah. I, I I had known it as a trope. Like I think about Looney Tunes a lot where it's from so long ago that a lot of the references are just things that as a kid I would have to be like, I guess that's a reference. And yeah. th- these are like that to me. I'm like, yeah, I guess I guess that's a thing people found funny like 100 years ago. Great. Cool. Yeah, learning some of those like learning some of the jokes in Looney Tunes can both be really interesting or really distressing based on what the joke is. But yeah, I mean, sure. uh, uh, it is it is interesting. I think when there is something in culture, since you're like a baby, you don't really process it the same way you would if you were introduced to it as an adult, because you're just like, yes, dogs playing poker, just just like a natural thing, a natural image. Yeah. And I, I like when I'm thinking about it, it's like there's something that's supposed to be a joke about it, but I don't know what the joke is other than haha, animals doing people things, which is admittedly always funny. <laughs> what I watch TikToks with Brenda, my partner, people don't know, anytime there is a TikTok of an animal being made to dance or to do something vaguely human, we both know I'm going to like fall apart with joy. Like I, I'm not going to be able to, it's going to be much funnier to me than it should be. And it's great. It's really good. Yeah. I once, I once, uh, my, when my dog was a puppy, she would sometimes sit funny, like kind of, and she still does oh, this yeah. sometimes, but like where she sort of sits on her butt, sort of like she thinks she's a person. And once she was on the couch and she had sat on the remote and turned the TV on. And then I just walk in on her and she's sitting there like a human with a remote, just like watching TV. (laughs) And I didn't like by the time I like tried to get my phone, you know, she Mm -hmm. she'd flopped over and looked at me like I was like, what? No, I'm not a human. I'm normal. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she it is. It is the pinnacle of comedy when an animal does something that is for people. It <laughs> it is it is the ambrosia that keeps society from falling apart, I believe. <laughs> like it's like those theories that we formed towns and cities so we could grow things to make alcohol. Like we we formed towns and cities mm-hmm. and society to make animals do people things. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the evolutionary history of cats and dogs, it closely follows agrarian societies. So I believe it. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. Like we gotta make we gotta make sandwiches. So in bread, we gotta cultivate wheat so we can put a dog's face through some bread. (laughs) I'm gonna Google pictures of that later. I know what you're talking about. Well, and, and yeah, of course, you have your wonderful dog, Cookie. I have never owned a dog, and I find that I'm, like, I like dogs, and I find myself sort of outside of dog culture a lot. Like, I tend to not know breeds when I meet people's dogs. I, f- I feel like I'm not amazing at hanging out with them, usually, unless I've gotten to know the dog. I don't know. This this is, like, this is one of the points where I meet dog culture, where I'm, like, great, mm-hmm. wacky art. I'm here. Got it. <laughs> Dog dog culture can be wild. And I, I love, I mean, let's be honest here. I basically love all animals. But when I was a kid, I basically asked my mom for every animal that could conceivably be a pet 
to have and own. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I never had a dog growing up. I had cats and I love cats, but yeah, I, I dog, like there's something and I, I mean no offense to dog owners because I am one, but there's mm. a way that dogs hijack our brains and make us completely lose touch with reality where it's <laughs> just, it is the extent to which people will sometimes go to for like, their dogs and myself included, like, oh, she only likes this certain kind of thing. Uh, she's a little princess. And so I have to give her a little bedtime treat. And of course, I have to play her some music before she goes to bed, uh, because my life is now all about meeting all of the whims of this dog. And yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, we we, lo- we lose a sense of proportion i think around dogs where it is difficult to remember that they are a dog and you are a human sometimes right (laughs) yeah and cats i think i'm pretty able to remember that it's an animal and not a fellow human more maybe it's because they need less walking (laughs) that's that's the main difference they're better at boundaries i think yeah they're better at boundaries cats both I mean, not all cats, of course, but cats both establish boundaries and sometimes, well, sometimes will respect your boundaries. Whereas dogs yeah. don't understand boundaries. They don't exist and they will try to assimilate. <laughs> they will try to fuse their molecules with your molecules if possible. Like when my dog is scared, uh, she will shove her face so close to mine. It, it feels Aww. like she's trying to like merge with me so that she can become, we can become like one horrifying organism. <laughs> like the, when, when Cookie was watching TV, was she watching the film Annihilation? Maybe that was a spark. Maybe that's where she got the idea. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, Natalie Portman, she's got the right idea. <laughs> Come mother, let us become one. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, in these paintings, I, I shared images of some of them. We'll get into why there's more than one. But I also found going into this that I did not have a super clear mental picture of any of them. Like I knew it as a trope, more as a concept. And like the actual paintings, I had to look at them to encode what's in them. Like it, It's just like a broad idea to me, mostly. Yeah, I mean, the the image that I have closing my eyes is like dogs sitting around a table, like you said, various breeds. Uh, Usually there's a bulldog in it, though, and some Mm. of them are smoking. Maybe one of them has like that little dealer visor on, which I don't really know what that is. It's that little like visor (laughs) that (laughs) dealers wear. Uh, And then like and they are they're holding their cards um, you know, sitting up in little chairs. Uh, yeah. And it's like the, 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 the room is sort of, it's indoors in sort of a dark room with like, you know, one lighting source or something. And that's kind of the, that's the general picture I have of it. Yeah. Right. It's one of those rooms where there's just one lamp overhead and then the walls are like a green or other dark color. Right. There's usually greens and reds in it. And speaking of there being multiple ones and stuff, let's get into the stats and numbers about dogs playing poker, a thing that <laughs> I keep just being reminded is the episode topic and being excited about. It's very fun to me. Uh, thank you, Michael Notkin, for <laughs> suggesting it on the Patreon. But on every episode, our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics. And this week, that's in a segment called... Do, 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 do. It's my podcast and all stats if I want to, stats if I want to, stats if I want to. You would stats too if it numbered for you. Do, 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 do. <laughs> nice. You nailed it. <laughs> and that name was submitted by Johnny Davis. Thank you very much, Johnny. We have a new name for this every week. Please make it as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to SIFPOD on Twitter or to SIFPOD at gmail.com. And leading off the podcast with a lifespan set of numbers, 1844 to 1934. 1844 to 1934, that was the lifespan of the artist of all these paintings, Cassius Marcellus Coolidge. Never knew that name before researching, but he's oh my God. the guy who did it. The one, There's like one dude pumping out these paintings. Yeah, the whole set I sent you is just one guy. 
and wow. he's the the definite one hundred percent originator of this as a famous thing. Uh, maybe somebody painted some dog playing cards before that, but he's where this comes from as a thing we know about. That's surprising to me. I, I would have thought it was like sort of one of those things where you get a a bunch of different people doing it at once where you kind of have a meme and maybe there's an originator, but then it becomes kind of like a thing multiple people are doing and then it becomes difficult to find the originator. But yes, yeah, so, so it's like like one guy sitting in his living room just like, well, today's another day of painting dogs playing poker. Pretty much. Uh, and at one point, like on a salary, like officially hired to do it, which we'll talk about. Yeah, it's it, wow. It feels like if somebody invented a painting of a bowl of fruit, you know, but that's just everybody. Yeah. This one is one one dude got really into it. Wow. And like looking at these paint, like two of the paintings, it's like the same dogs. And it looks like just like one moment in the poker game where they're looking very serious and then another moment in the poker game where they're looking very like excited or aggravated when somebody wins yeah uh, so yeah that's interesting yeah those are a two-parter by this same guy and the first one is called a bold bluff it's a one of the dogs just has a pair of twos and pushed a, a lot of chips in and then the second painting is the other dogs being mad that he bluffed them with a pair of twos and one mm -hmm. like he he really got into this it's not quite like a, a character universe or anything. None of the dogs have names or like stories or anything. It's just he <laughs> he did really get into this thing. He was he, it was what he did. Yeah, Cassius Marcellus Coolidge. Yeah, and it, it is interesting because like the expressions of the dogs aren't overly cartoonish. They're they are typically expressions dogs could make. They're they're all expressions I've seen a dog make. Maybe exaggerated just ever so slightly of course i haven't seen dogs wearing glasses but you know it is uh it is interesting <laughs> we get it cookie has perfect vision we get it you can brag on <laughs> it all you doesn't. want but oh she doesn't okay. <laughs> she actually has terrible vision <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> yeah no no it's okay it's funny no i mean like she just like from the distance if she sees someone she loves but from a great distance she gets angry until you get closer and then she gets very excited oh <laughs> what a flip <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. I have basically no experience living with dogs. Like, I've met friends' dogs out and about, and most dog stuff is surprising to me. Also, going into living with cats, my main experience was being a zoo tour guide. So, like, when we got our first cat, I would keep being like, oh, he's sitting like a lion. And my partner <laughs> would be like, why is that your reference point? And I was like, well, I've seen lions more than house cats. So that's what I understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it is interesting because like house cats, they didn't go through as thorough a domestication process as dogs did. So their behavior is much more similar to wild cats of uh, various species oh, than okay. a dog's behavior will be to a wolf's uh, behavior. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, there is like obviously some domestication with cats because they don't generally try to like run away or kill you. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, generally speaking, some of them. Because I'm too tough, and right? It's because I'm too tough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too formidable. <laughs> Dogs are a little more uh, drastically differentiated from their wild counterparts. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because our other cat walks like a tiger to me all the time. And uh, yeah. and maybe that's true, just miniature and, and not for hunting. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, you know, they are obviously uh, various species of, of wild uh, cats or big cats are going to be different in their behavior. Some are solitary, some are uh, group, you know, social. But yeah, they, it is funny because you will see such similar behaviors. Whereas when you look at wolves and dogs, even though some of their behaviors are, are similar, uh, a lot of their behavior has been drastically altered through very um, thorough, thorough domestication. Man, yeah. Makes sense. And that's wow. actually, it's 
and you actually see like a, a physical difference with cats. Their uh, ear cartilage uh, is much stronger than that of dogs, which is an interesting thing because often domesticated animals, their ear cartilage actually becomes weaker and that's why their ears flop down. You'll see it in, in uh, pigs and dogs and uh, goats. It is because th the neural crest cells that are responsible for a variety of things, including things like cartilage production, are also responsible for the uh, brain development of, uh, you know, certain uh, glands in the brain that produce like hormones and, um, and neurotransmitters. And if this is altered, so the dog is less, um, less aggressive and less scared, uh, it also affects, impacts the development of the ear cartilage and also things like melanin distribution. And so that's why dogs have spotted coats or interesting different coat coloration and not all of them look just like they have like a, a wolf coat. Um, and cats have some of that, like obviously their coats are much differentiated from wild cats, but their, their ears, except for the Scottish fold cat, their ears are still pretty stand up straight because they didn't need as much uh, they, they didn't need as much alteration in terms of their personality to sort of be safe around humans, essentially. Like their original, like making them a little less timid was basically all that needed to be. Whereas with wolves, we needed to make sure that they weren't going to kill us. So, right. uh, yeah. That's all amazing. And also, I w I'm wondering if it's partly because a lot of cats were supposed to keep working as hunters of vermin and stuff. And then dogs were more like, maybe you come and hunt with us to like be a sidekick but otherwise you can hang yeah i mean like we uh, both cats and dogs uh were used for their their working ability uh cats would protect our grain stores from rodents and mm. dogs there are a variety of things that dogs would do for us in terms of work like helping us i mean herding animals was a huge thing uh yeah, protection sure. uh there are even like very weird specialized breeds that we don't have anymore like a little dog that was bred just for running in basically a giant hamster wheel in a kitchen to turn a, a spit roast what? so like yeah yeah so this little dog was no. like yes specifically for running in a giant kitchen hamster wheel for turning the spit on a, on a roast um and so we've been coming up with weird jobs for dogs for a long time and and some dogs actually like now like their ears do stick up because that ear cartilage uh, gene was selected for uh, their ears to be a little firmer but right, but okay. we didn't have to selectively breed cats for them to just hunt rodents, sleep and drink milk uh, and not run away from us. I mean, like maybe we we did have to select for the ones that weren't scared of us. That was about it with uh, yeah. wolves. There's just a lot more because like not only are you selecting for ones that aren't scared of you, you're also selecting for ones that aren't going to kill you <laughs> and <Shoot>. who <laughs> will being able to like herd a sheep. Like imagine the the steps it takes. And I, I feel like I've completely hijacked your podcast, but imagine the steps it no, takes no. to take a wolf who wants to eat that sheep to instead listen to you as and then like herd the sheep uh, without killing it, ignoring the instinct to then kill the sheep and eat it. That is a lot more complex than trying to take a one of these sort of wild progenitors of the cats just to be a little less timid, but still like hunt rats, do the same things, sometimes swat at us, but otherwise chill out, sleep and drink our milk. Right. Yeah, it's such specific, like, <laughs> I was going to call it human resources, but like it's such specific hiring needs for the job of yeah. all that different stuff. <laughs> human resources. Now, yeah. we have heard you've been licking your crotch during meetings. Um, we understand <laughs> why you do this, uh, but it, it, it presents a problem of professionalism, to be frank. Yeah. Right. And this is why we were able to domesticate dogs to the point where they can play poker. Yeah. Yeah. Also, these these dogs are doing like human partying in the paintings. They're doing a lot of drinking yes. and smoking and playing cards, but they're <laughs> not doing smoking. dog partying of licking your crotch no. and like pooping on a place you're not supposed to. And, you know, like it's it's a very interesting yeah. version of vice where it's like, can you believe he's having a brandy? And well, he's not like <laughs> <laughs> taking a dump where I don't want. So that's pretty good. <laughs>
And yeah, and this guy, so so people know the era again, lived 1844 to 1934. And we'll talk a lot about his dog painting career later, but Cassius Marcellus Coolidge, uh, he was born and raised in Jefferson County, New York. That's the far northern tip of New York State. It's on Lake Ontario. It's on the Canadian border. And he's also very confusingly from a town there called Philadelphia, New York. Not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. There's a Philadelphia, New York Hmm. in New York State, which really seems like a mistake to me, but it's what's going on. And uh, they just ran out of names there. They couldn't (laughs) they couldn't come up with it. It's like, oh, God, we just don't have any more names. Do you think they'd mind if we use Philadelphia again? (laughs) When and before he became a full time painter, Coolidge did a whole string of jobs. He tried to be a druggist. He was a cartoonist. You might want to specify what a druggist is. Uh, oh, like a pharmacist. Sounds... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, I know that, but it, it does sound a little bit like someone who goes around trying to get people to do drugs. <laughs> but he, yeah, did, like pharmacist, cartoonist, he founded a bank. I think that was relatively easy huh. to do in the 1800s. Uh, and he also founded a newspaper for the town of Antwerp, New York. None of that worked out. And then he took a trip to Europe in 1873 came back, moved to Rochester, New York, and set himself up as a painter. And he had no major formal training. He just liked this. I love that. Like, in today's society, you go to college, and then maybe after college, you don't know what to do next, so you go to Europe. Back in the day, you found a couple banks, you try to start your own currency, (laughs) do some newspapers, and then you're like, I don't know, though. I'll go to Europe, and then maybe come back and paint dogs. Yeah, you just like mess around, try founding several businesses. If if people have heard what's going to be last week's bonus show about Milton Hershey, who started the Hershey Chocolate Candy Company, like he repeatedly failed in business and like made ends meet as a manual laborer for a while, but then he just kept getting shots and eventually got a candy business going. Like wow. the 1800s, you could just flail around and eventually something sticks, it seems like. Really easy economy. I would assume as as long as you are at a certain a certain more secure place in the socioeconomic ladder that you Big could time. probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Painting dogs playing poker was uh something for the, the privileged elite. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it was for guys who got to be at that kind of poker game in between right. working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we'll talk more about that guy, but the next number here is 2002, the year 2002. The number of dogs... No, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) The number of dogs playing poker. (laughs) What if it's like, you know, when there's a chess grandmaster and they play like a thousand games all at once, just walking from table to table? Like there's one master dog who's playing poker like that. Like, and I bet, and I bet, (laughs) and I fold, and I win. Like... So the year 2002, was this when it was outlawed for dogs to play poker? That was the year when an art museum in Virginia, they put out an April Fool's press release. And the April Fool's joke was that they were going to acquire dogs playing poker for their very real museum. Uh, This was the Chrysler Museum of Art. Why would they toy with our emotions like that? Yeah. (laughs) Why Why would they play with our hearts? Yeah, it turns out the guy, this was an art historian and director of the Chrysler Museum of Art in Norfolk, Virginia. His name's William Hennessy. He did a whole statement where he raved about how great these paintings are and said they're trying to acquire it. And then at the end of the statement, they said, hey, this was an April Fool's joke. Also, like the only joke part is that we're getting them. All the positive stuff I said about the art is for real. I really like it. I really think it's great. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Otherwise, I'd be... I'd be a little steamed, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I will defend these paintings. They're a good time, yeah. (laughs) I will start my own newspaper and my own art section and write an op-ed defending these paintings. (laughs) And and the next number, this is people valuing them very highly, the next number is 658,000 U.S. dollars. 658 grand. Wow, is that how much one of these paintings costs? 
Yeah, in 2015, Coolidge painting entitled Poker Game sold for that much money at Sotheby's in an auction. And so just short of two-thirds of a million dollars. That's what somebody paid for one. Wow. Jeez. That's amazing. I got some savings to do. (laughs) (laughs) And and this is like a consistent recent phenomenon. In 2005, there was another auction, and it was for that pair of paintings where a dog bluffs and then a dog wins. And Mm. that pair sold for over 590,000 U.S. dollars. Like these are now highly, highly valued, at least compared to what you would think. I'm going to need a lot more swear jars. <laughs> Just filling them with euros. The coins are, the euro coins are worth more than U.S. coins, you know? Like that actually, it's, it's they a better are, jar. They are, yes. You could fill it faster, you know? <laughs> Less jars. They come out exactly. Ahead. That's right. I just have to learn more Italian swears, though. That's the thing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> You can have a swear jar, and then you can have a jar for that gesture where you, like, move your hand against the bottom of your chin towards somebody. Oh, yeah, Yeah. the swear gesture. I was, someone was teaching, like, telling me about that gesture, and then I was, like, about to make it, like, oh, this, and then they, like, grab my hand. They're like, don't do it. (laughs) Oh, what? Oh, is that serious? I know it is, like, a gag, like these paintings, but yeah, sure. I think they were kind of, well, I think it's serious. You don't want to do it, but it's sort of, like flipping someone the bird so i I don't think you'll get arrested but (laughs) i don't think you should do it (laughs) to people makes sense yeah (laughs) when the and the last number takes us into the first takeaway and the number is 18 18 that is the total number of legal age oh (laughs) dog has to be to play poker sorry In dog years, which is like two seconds in real mm. time, right? Like they're ready to go. Right, get the puppies right. in there. You, you pop them out. You they start playing poker. I've seen it. <laughs> they they start playing before they open their eyes. <laughs> like when a when a mother dog has a litter, one of them's the dealer. Like they have a little dealer chip with yeah. them. Then, yeah. <laughs> He's born with the little dealer visor. That's where they get him. <laughs> And 18 is the total number of paintings by Coolidge that are considered part of the Dogs Playing Poker series. Because again, this is a whole set of artists, not just one work. That brings us into takeaway number one. The Dogs Playing Poker paintings were commissioned to sell cigars. Wow. I would not have guessed that. It's kind of random. I would have thought it would be to sell like cards. Right. It's not, it's sort of an indirect, you know, some of the dogs have cigars, but they were commissioned as like funny art for cigar companies to give out on calendars and merchandise and other stuff to, in a roundabout way, promote their cigars. That's interesting. It is true. When I see a dog do something, I want to copy it. So like if the dog's smoking a cigar, I want a cigar. If the dog's eating some poop, I want to eat that poop. It's very compelling. (laughs) And yeah, this is a bunch of background I, I didn't know at all. But none of these paintings are technically called dogs playing poker. That's just a descriptive term we've all invented. And also not all of them specifically depict that, just most of the set does that. But there's there's several key sources for this and the rest of the show. A uh, piece for artsy.net by Jackson Arn, a piece for mymodernmet.com by Emma Taggart, mental plus piece by Christy Puchko, a piece for 10 by 10 magazine by Annette Ferrara, and then a book called Pop Lorica, a popular history of the fads, mavericks, inventions, and lore that shaped modern America. That's by Martin J. Smith and Patrick J. Kiger. And those are the main things the whole way. I'm just doing them all at once. But there's this guy, Cassius Marcellus Coolidge. In the 1870s, he starts basically his own business as a painter. And he uh, the, the sources are a little unclear, but at some point pretty early, he starts painting dogs doing human things. Like this, he he likes doing this even before he got paid to do it for cigar companies. Really into it. Do what you love. Yeah, I wonder if he went to European countries, because in general, Europeans do kind of treat their dogs more as people. Oh, really? Uh, like here here in uh, 
in Italy. Well, yeah, I mean, like here in Italy, people take their dogs everywhere into restaurants and to grocery stores. They're just like, you know, hey, oh. and then here's I've I've seen dogs in little denim jackets. It's they are, um, <laughs> you know, treated as uh, citizens, I believe. <laughs> no, yeah, I had no idea. Like, yeah, I, I associate dog people culture with like tying them up outside and then having a specific dog park where you see the same people and dogs most days that's that's what i think of as like the stuff people do yeah no i mean like here uh there's not there aren't really dog parks at least here in turin it's more you take your dog to a park where people are going generally a lot of people unleash their dogs and then they just kind of like scamper about but they're typically extremely well behaved so it's not it's not like too much of a problem they're they're very polite so uh it seems like it's very interesting it's a very interesting dog culture definitely not what i grew up with in the u.s um but like so my dog i do not let her off the leash because if i did like she would well i don't think she would run away from me but it definitely if she got spooked she would uh she would just start running in a direction until she got stopped by some kind of barrier oh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but a, a lot of people are just off leash all the time and it's, it's no big thing. It's much more lax in some ways. And yet the dog's behavior tends to be much more polite. Uh, you know, there's a, le- like there's not as much, you know, franticness about the dogs. They, they tend to be more calm. If I might offer some constructive criticism, though, it's uh, there is a more more poop on the ground people do do pick it up i've seen a lot uh a lot a lot of people do pick up their dog's poop uh that that is very common but sometimes they don't and it it, it can be uh you know okay (laughs) you gotta watch out (laughs) get some of those people on a leash am i right geez louise Well, uh, so 1870s, Coolidge starts painting professionally. He just decides he's that. And then 1894, so many years into this, he paints what ends up being the forerunner of the whole series. It's simply titled Poker Game. It's the one that's sold for that huge auction price in the future. And it's a painting of four St. Bernard breed dogs playing a poker game. And then about a decade later, the the dates actually conflict in my sources, but either 1903 or 1906, Coolidge gets a commission to do lots more of that type of painting. And he gets hired by a publishing company called Brown and Bigelow. And then what that company does is they sell merchandise with funny art on it to companies. And so he gets hired to work for this publisher who then sells calendars and other stuff with his paintings on it to cigar companies. And so he does this whole set of paintings, mainly of dogs playing poker games specifically. That's fascinating. It's just, he's found such a niche here. He likes painting dogs playing poker. The people want more paintings of dogs playing poker and they're not satisfied with just one. They want more. And people are willing to pay him to keep making different paintings of dogs playing poker. That's right. Yeah. It's basically advertising supported media. Like it's no one is buying these paintings from him, really. But the advertising of, hey, look at this funny picture. It makes you think about cigar buying. That's working. (laughs) And so they keep printing it on merchandise, if that makes sense. And also that's how it gets put everywhere all over the u.s is just the campaign keeps working you know i'd enjoy this humorous painting of dogs playing (laughs) poker they're dogs though they shouldn't be playing poker but here they are playing poker in this painting but i sure would enjoy it more if i had a nice refreshing cigar yeah that's what like white men all over america were saying in bars like all the time (laughs) yeah they were like this is fantastic how amusing Like President Taft or whoever yeah. is saying, I, I enjoy this. Great. Yeah, it's how risible these dogs <laughs> acting like a person would. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, there's an amazing idea in one of these sources. It's that artsy.net piece by Jackson Arn. And he suggests that Coolidge was just born at the right time, born in the right place to do weird advertising when that was just starting out. 
He says that between 1880 and 1920, advertising spending by U.S. companies grew from $200 million to $3 billion. And also the the first modern ad agency opened in the 1860s, like right when Coolidge is being just a very weird painter, he's there <laughs> to get scooped up by the first modern and modern to me means weird ad companies. Yeah, that is really interesting. It's hard to not take for granted just this sort of uh, ever presence of advertisement. It is so, it is yeah. everywhere. We are constantly flooded with ads. You know, you cannot, even if you try to escape your media, like TV, phone, uh, and, you know, it's just outside. You, you walk around, there's tons of advertisement. Uh, so it's interesting to think about how this may not have always I mean, it wasn't always the case and that there was an actual period of time where advertisement became kind of exploded. And we have these dogs to thank for that. Thanks a lot, you dogs <laughs> playing poker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I wish somebody had studied like exactly how much this increased weird advertising because it, it feels like it's yeah. the forerunner of... The Geico Gecko is the thing I kept thinking of. Yeah. Like, it's just funny that there's a lizard for this insurance company. Like, it's just funny that there are these poker dogs for cigars. It, it's just enjoyable yeah. to have in your head compared to other stuff. We really haven't changed at all. I mean, there's the Aflac duck that is, you know, it, it is a duck yeah. that it's sells insurance. and. Cool. We pee our pants laughing at that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, just animal, some kind of animal mascot. Like, hey, that animal shouldn't know about car insurance, but it does. Oh, I want it. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah, that, that's it's worked forever. And this was one of the first ones. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> our, our brains are so easily hacked by animals. It's it's uh, it yeah. is unfair. <laughs> Well, and then I mean, as far as the number of paintings goes, so Coolidge paints his own forerunner in 1894. He gets paid to do 16 paintings for Brown and Bigelow. Also, after the campaign's over, he did at least one other painting we know of. It was in 1910. It was called Looks Like Four of a Kind, where he's like, he's finished the gig. He's just continuing to do some of these. So it seems like there was at least a little of a market for more dog paintings from Coolidge like these these apparently became famous enough and well liked enough that in his lifetime when he was in his 60s he could sell the originals for a lot of money and mental floss says he sold one of them for $10,000 in 1910s money which is a lot of money now like google tells me it's about 300 grand like that's that's for real cash yeah so he he lived to see these become famous and popular you know wow it's good that it, these are not like some kind of posthumous, like he never got the appreciation, but it is yeah. darkly funny to me that guy who paints dogs playing poker lived a good life. It was not posthumous, you know, Vincent Van Gogh. Nope. <laughs> no, nothing for you, buddy. <laughs> that, wow. That is the exact guy I thought of with this. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think I, this also had me thinking about what are the few paintings that are in people's heads enough that you can do a audio podcast about it. And Starry Night is probably one of them by Van Gogh. And yeah, yeah he had a very different life from Cassius Marcellus Coolidge, who, yeah. who yeah. is an obscure person to us, but his work lives on and he was famous and paid for it when he was around. I mean, that is I'm that is the dream. Like he deserved it. And I'm glad an artist got treated that way. It is just, yeah. it is, it, it's, there's something about that where like, if you, you paint these, you know, <laughs> pretty consistently kitschy, but wonderful paintings of dogs playing poker <laughs> and you're recognized and celebrated and you have a good life. Uh, but a lot of painters do not get to experience that. It is interesting. Yeah. And, and also like. I think I misstated it a little bit like his paintings became super famous and then his his name never did really like as a human. He right. never got super fa like he but he got to make a living at it. And, he, and um, yeah, but like at one point, his 
daughter went back to the town of Philadelphia, New York, and like tried to get people to learn that, hey, the the guy lived here and this is his name and like brought one of the paintings to be put in the library there. Like he he as a human never got famous for this like work for hire he did. Right. But the work got super famous and people did seek him out to buy originals. So that's pretty good. I mean, it is probably because as soon as you see one of these paint paintings of these uh these little rascally dogs playing poker, it's so goddamn funny. And yeah. you laugh so hard and you do pee your pants a little bit when you laugh so hard at this because the dogs get this are playing poker and they're dogs uh, <laughs> that it is hard to learn the name of the artist because you are too busy gasping for air, wheezing, tears and snot running down your face, laughing because these dogs are these dang old dogs. Canines right. are playing poker. Yeah, not, not to be too much of a neuroscientist on the show. But as people know, I'm a famous neuroscientist <laughs> and the memory lobe of the brain is right next to the pee pants lobe of the brain. It's actually very hard yeah. to activate both of those at the same time. Exactly. So. Exactly. You cannot you. It's too overwhelming of an experience for the brain to make sense of this because it's dogs. Your brain. OK, it's a dog. I get it. And they're like, wait, but these dogs, they're playing poker. What? And then you pee your pants. <laughs> It even, oddly, I'm thinking of the American Gothic episode because it, it, it was a while ago. But if people remember, like part of the discourse around that painting has been that basically it can't be that good of a painting because there's humor in it. Mm -hmm. And this is a much more extreme version of that. Like there are people saying <laughs> this just definitely can't be a for real piece of art because look at the dog and it's, it's holding cards and stuff. It can't do that. I mean, that's silly. <laughs> you know, I don't want to gatekeep art. Uh, end of sentence. It's it, it's dogs. It's a painting of dogs playing poker. I'm sorry if you don't think that's art, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is actually like oil on a canvas. That's a thing worth clarifying. Like he did actually paint it in the medium that lots of paintings yeah. happen in. You know. Yeah, like a you know you can have some like, uh, you know, painting of pain and suffering and shapes or whatever but oh i'm sorry you don't want you you think these dogs playing poker doesn't count as art but like some cube looking <laughs> sad is art how was i thinking of picasso too wow this is amazing we're locked in <laughs> this is great yeah i was thinking I like of that Guernica picasso, a big we're wall. summarizing like... <laughs> picasso is just like a cube that looks sad yeah yeah <laughs> cubes playing poker I guess it has to be abstract cubes playing poker or else it's not art. <laughs> really hard to see the cards. Really, really wonky. <laughs> you can you can see the other person's hand. Like it's in so many dimensions, you know. Yeah. It's pretty easy. Ironically, but... the cards are actually small humans. <laughs> Off of that, we are going to a short break, followed by a whole new takeaway. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them and then you just stay there like, like really quiet and try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show 
for grown-ups. Speaking of painting stuff, the next takeaway here I think is very surprising. Takeaway number two. The dogs playing poker artist might have invented a whole nother prominent kind of silly art. There's like a whole nother thing he did that I, I wish I had a fuller picture of the rest of his career. But this one big piece of news is like he, he should be famous for two whole things, not just this. Uh, you you must tell me. And and this is all the same sources, first takeaway. But all of my sources say that Coolidge, who did the dogs playing poker paintings, is also credited as the inventor of what's called a photographic caricature. Huh. Uh, it's also been called a comic foreground. I, I've heard it called a face hole. You know, like it's a big piece of wood with a hole in it. You put your face through and then there's a funny oh. body somebody painted below and your friend takes a picture. Oh, my God. He did that, we too, apparently. Have... What? Yeah. Right. I feel dizzy. <laughs> That's amazing. So me putting my face through a hole to look like Snoopy, that's because of him? And I feel like it's a bigger deal than the dogs playing poker, but I found it through looking that's into this. That's a huge deal. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's amazing because you can, you go, it's a big wooden board, and this is this is an explanation <laughs> for the Zoomers. This was before we had Instagram filters. Uh, we had to use wooden oh, boards yeah. with paintings <laughs> on them. Um Wow. And you stick your face, you stick your face through this hole and it, you can look like you have big muscles or you're right. wearing a, a ba bikini bathing suit or you're Nothing Snoopy funnier. the dog. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. And this is what <laughs> we had to do before we had Instagram and TikTok filters. I'd never thought of it that way. It's like every Snapchat one where you can put stuff on your face and it tracks your face yeah. as you move. But it's for the rest of your body. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Zoomers thought they invented it. No. It's Cassius Coolidge. Yeah. And and like with this whole episode, I really think I've found the best sources on the dogs playing poker guy. And also, I would not say they are incredibly like they're not from academic journals, really. They're not <laughs> like there's not scholarship scholarship on this guy. But all of the information mm -hmm. I could get all agreed at, at some point, some year, probably before the dogs playing poker, he invented this thing and made at least some of his painting business money making yeah. some of these. Because, you know, like carnivals, didn't, circuses, they all want it. Yeah, didn't make it into the American Journal of Dog Gambling Habits. That's too bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, yeah, and one reason this seems true to me is the, the limited biographical information about this guy there's kind of a humongous gap between like the start of his early adulthood and the start of the dog paintings, like from from 1860s when he's a young adult to the start of the 1900s when he starts making real dogs playing poker money. Like those 40 years, he did something for money. And I know about the failed banks and newspapers and stuff, but this had to be, have been part of the economic puzzle for keeping him afloat. I see. I see. Just makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, he had to train his mind, his body. He had to <laughs> he had to he had to seek great thinkers from other countries. And right, and right. then it took him 40 years to be like, "Wait. Dogs, but they're playing poker." And then he ascended to a new consciousness. <laughs> Yeah, a, a eureka moment that no one appreciated when he told them, I'm sure. They yeah. were like, I mean, you can paint that. I'd have to see it, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just like, like you look into his eyes and you see a dog who's playing poker painting and you zoom into the dog's eye and then that becomes the universe. Yeah, because his reading any biographical stuff about him, just other weird stuff pops up. Like, I don't, I don't have more information than what I'm about to say, but... All of my sources say that... Did he, that, like, invent penicillin or something? Like, what else did this guy do? <laughs> yeah, he was President Coolidge also. That's just the thing about him. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, that guy is... Those is little tabs name. on cans? He made those. Because <laughs> these... The, the, the dogs and the face holes, those are the only two big things. But, like, every bio biographical thing about him says that he tried to write a hit comic opera at one point. And the comic opera, like he finished it 
And all I know is that it was about a mosquito infestation in New Jersey. That's uh, the entire thing I know about this. I don't know anymore, but he just I did love, that too. I love this man. Yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> uh, I wish that had become like an opera, a mosquito opera about a mosquito infestation. Oh my God. This is so, it's right. so good. How do you not I mean, put that on Broadway right nearby? You know? We had, we had a genius and we let him slip through our fingers. <laughs> like, like so many dogs trying to hold cards in their paws, you know, that's us. <laughs> When, and very last takeaway here before the bonus show. Takeaway number three. The Dogs Playing Poker series might be satirical, or modern people might be saying that to pump up the monetary value of the paintings. Mm. I don't know for sure which it is, but there are some people with some claims that these these paintings were like on-purpose satires of middle-class American men. Hmm. Because they could be. I mean, you know. I guess it seems, I mean, I'm not an art historian or a poker historian or a dog historian. <laughs> I guess, I mean, closer, closest to dog historian, uh, but still not one of those. But yeah. it does seem like guy goes to Europe, clears his head and thinks dogs playing f- poker funny. Dogs playing poker funny. Right. And that was that was it. Like that's what it is to me. But, you know, hey, look, I'm I'm a rube, so what do I know? <laughs> I can't I yeah. can't analyze the chiaroscuro of these paintings, the the play of light <laughs> upon the Saint Bernard's nose and be able to intuit some kind of deep biting satire of middle-class Americana. That's above my pay grade. Yeah. (laughs) It is like one of the reasons it's hard to square whether this is satire or not is that it is it. They're fully oil paintings, but there's just not amazing brushwork or whatever going on. You know, I, I feel like we ascribe bigger ideas to art that is more technically impressive, you know? Like, we'll say, oh, this person has the skills to paint absolutely anything, so this must be smart, even if it's just, like, a Rothko where it's one big color or something, you know? We're like, but they're good at art, so it's smart. This guy, he doesn't seem to be that amazing at using a a paintbrush. Yeah, but if you do look at one of these, you do see that the bulldog is holding a card between his toes, his little dog tootsies, and so that does seem to indicate a level of cheating in the game which could be a commentary on the way that society has cheated (sighs) i can't (laughs) i can't complete the thought i I tried really hard to do it and my brain stopped because i was like dogs playing poker funny and then peed my pants (laughs) (laughs) laughing that's the human brain folks that's what it does That's what happens. (laughs) No, and like, let's get into, there are people who have completed that sentence. And, and yeah, and the one you pointed to, it's one called A Friend in Need. And it's one of the most famous ones because one dog is slipping another dog an ace under the table. Like there, he has successfully Mm -hmm. depicted cheating. And um, Smith and Kiger's book, they cite Sotheby's art specialist, Alison Cooney who describes the paintings as, quote, a humorous, ironic take, a jab at middle-class America, end quote. There's another expert named Alan Fossil, who writes for the uh, auction house Doyle, New York. He compares Coolidge to Norman Rockwell and also Mm. compares him to the painter who did one of the first Uncle Sam depictions, whose name is James Montgomery Flagg. And then their book also cites another expert, who claims that the painting A Friend in Need, where dogs are cheating at poker, is a direct reference to a 1647 painting by a French Baroque artist named Georges Delatour, titled The Cheat with the Ace of Diamonds. This expert claims that, like, oh, Coolidge captured the composition of that painting and he's referencing it because he's a true fine artist. 
But most of these experts also work for auction houses where they're making a bunch of money mm. selling these. And so I don't trust Follow it. Follow the money. I don't, I don't buy big it. Big dogs playing poker. <laughs> yeah. Right in the pocket of big dog playing poker. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, like, I, again, I feel like, and this is no, no offense to Cassius Coolidge, who I think is a genius. <laughs> I think the thought process behind these paintings, even if it's a reference to another painting, is people playing poker, okay, but if it's dogs doing it, it really funny. Like, and like, maybe there's <laughs> yeah. a painting and it's a satire of that painting where it's like, all right, but now dogs are doing it. Huh? Huh? It's pretty funny, right? Because it's dogs. <laughs> I, I think that's right. And the, the other main evidence people point to for maybe there's something more here is that like in this commission series, the majority are dogs playing poker, but several of the paintings are dogs doing other human stuff. And mm -hmm. in particular stuff that like turn of the century middle class American men would have been doing like because also I in my head, I just presume all these dogs are male. He, he's not clear about it, but the other paintings are of dogs being in bars. You mean he doesn't he doesn't detail the dogs like intact <laughs> testicles or anything like that. Yeah, he, right. Just I'm thinking so of Georgia O'Keefe, sure. but but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's no. uh <laughs> There's no verification of genitalia. Yeah. Like the but the painting, the other paintings in the series are dogs uh, fixing a car and dogs in a court of law being lawyers and dogs watching other dogs play baseball. And it's very specifically male spaces of that time. Dogs shouldn't be doing those things. And yet they are. <laughs> it's uh yeah but i i do i i still feel deeply that it's it doesn't it sounds to me again it's like dog lawyers that's funny right if a dog was a lawyer right and he worked pro bono that would be funny so <laughs> <laughs> right like is it and is it like a smart joke, like in BoJack Horseman, where animals do stuff? Or is it just this funny picture? Like there's there's a relatively lively discourse to these to this day about the artistic value of the paintings. And a lot of it's coming from people trying to make money. But also, you know, maybe they're also right. I can't really say for sure. Who knows? I don't know. We're just we're such we're such simple creatures. We see an animal doing something they shouldn't be doing and we laugh. And that's. We need more of that. We don't, it doesn't need to be deeper than that. It's a very, uh, I had a comedy writing teacher once who said that all of comedy is a service industry. Like you're there to provide mm -hmm. something people laugh at. And if they're not laughing, you're wrong. Like it's the customer's right. You need to do it right. And this guy met a customer need. Like yeah. they needed art people like, they needed it to move cigars. He succeeded. Great. You know? Yeah. And I don't think we need to gussy it up with some deep, deep secret meaning that this like this great Dane actually stands for some kind of, you know, some kind of American. I don't know. Right. It just doesn't. I mean, like, I, I, I'm cool. I'm good, too, with like I'm good, too, with satire and paintings that have these deeper meanings. I think that's very valuable. But again, it could, you know, it's like the famous Freudian saying sometimes dogs playing pokers and then also smoking cigars is just dogs playing pokers and smoking cigars <laughs> now i really want freud to have one of these in his office like he's doing yeah. his groundbreaking and ultimately probably wrong psychology and yeah. then there's <laughs> this funny painting over the couch he'd probably be upset that there wasn't more like paintings of the dogs playing poker with their testicles like in full view right <laughs> <laughs> Just as the dog is neutered, you have neutered your mind. <laughs> <laughs> episode for this week my thanks to katie golden for sharing about her cat like dog and listening to stories of my dog like cat and just bringing the whole thing together scientifically and artistically and humorly and everything else humorly isn't really a word it just came out of me as i was talking 
Anyway, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is the concept of cats playing poker, followed by the story of the only cat ever to go to space. You get two stories this week. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than seven dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring dogs playing poker with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, the dogs playing poker paintings were commissioned to sell cigars. Takeaway number two, the dogs playing poker artist might have invented a whole nother prominent kind of silly art, the face hole. And takeaway number three, the dogs playing poker series might be satirical, or people might just be saying that to pump up their value. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guest. She's great. Katie Golden tweets as at ProBirdWrites. She also tweets as herself, Katie Golden. That's G-O-L-D-I-N. And then she hosts the Creature Feature podcast weekly on iHeartRadio. If you liked this at all, if you enjoyed this episode, even the tiniest bit, like 1%, less than 1%, less than 0000.1%, you're going to like Creature Feature a lot. And please check it out. She is the host, producer, everything else of the funniest and best scientific show about animals. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. A great article from artsy.net by Jackson Arn. A great book titled Pop Lorica, a popular history of the fads, mavericks, inventions, and lore that shape modern America. That book's by Martin J. Smith and Patrick J. Kiger. Plus more from Mental Floss, My Modern Met, GQ, CNN Money, Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more secretly incredibly fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. <laughs>